Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday, guys. Monday before Christmas, leading into Christmas, leading into holiday season, leading into excitement, hopefully, leading into future tough competition, following past tough competition, Monday after a uh, difficult loss to stomach, Monday before signing day in football, Monday also following numerous new commitments out of the transfer portal in football, and also a Monday following a 40-burger from a basketball recruit. And we're, we're live already in a Monday where there's only three of us. One, two, three. Aaron can't hear us, but uh, hopefully he will be back soon. That's right. We're, we're kicking it back OG style, kicking it back old school today. No Royer in the mix. You had to get the uh, the the late holiday rush in over at GE. Got to make sure everything's good for the Christmas season. But without further ado, yep. they 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 designed Santa's sleigh this year, right? That, yeah, that's working late. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. They they souped it up for him. It's got the switches. Yep. Zzz, yep. Zzz, zzz. Uh, the, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear or going to GE and getting your sleigh fix, which is where they currently are. I don't think that's something Danko Joe can do for you. Suck to claws, but hey, you know what? Without Royer, we must ride along. So without further ado, my guys, the the OGs, Mr. Aaron Smith, Mr. Chad Brendel, gentlemen, how are we? You know, I'm better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Better. I'll take better. How no, was the I've weekend? been better. Oh, you've been better. Okay, been better. Yeah, been better. Uh, weekend was all right. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of family time. Mm-hmm. Did some, uh, some shopping with, uh, with Kelsey and uh, some good stuff on Friday, and then Saturday had a little uh, Christmas hangout with Kelly's family before heading down to uh, U.S. Dump Arena or the Heritage Dump Center or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Yesterday, not a whole lot. Well, Finley Market action since it was oh. nice. Oh, and uh, cooked some dinner, hung out. Wild how nice it was yesterday, and then today is a little little winter wonderland out there. That that's how it works. As soon as it warms up, boom. Just kidding. Ah, uh, wow! Thanks, Tom. Tom. Is that a new profile pic? Maybe huh? looking good. Happy. Where you been, buddy? We haven't seen you for a while. I know what you've been doing. What you've been doing? Uh, Taking headshots. There we go. <laughs> must must have been, Aaron, sir. How are we, buddy? Good. Just got back from a weekend in Indy where I didn't contact you at all. Oh, <laughs> funny man. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm I'm not even angry about it. Let's be honest. Brent's gonna hit you with I'm not mad. Just disappointed. 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 Very, very much so disappointed. But uh, you know what? It is what it is. You win some, you lose some, but uh I lost my chance to see uh 
Aaron in the old three one seven this past weekend, which is okay. You know, sorry, bro. Best way to see it was family like, Christmas stuff. Hey, and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is not getting mad at Aaron, even though he was here. So uh, we'll we'll keep on <laughs> keep on the show rolling without any ounce of frustration or negativity. How about that? We I, we got to try to we got to have some sort of positivity in this here spectrum because I tell you what. It's hard. I almost, I almost needed an auto care service on Saturday night because I almost went postal and just started crashing into people trying to park for an hour at the banks. Thirty minutes after a Bengals game ended. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Chad. I and keep hour mad at the team. Tip off. You can't be mad at the team that won. I'm not mad at I'm mad at it being scheduled on a week on a NFL weekend. Right. Being scheduled in proximity. Like the minute I it went into overtime. If it wouldn't have gone into overtime, I think it would have thinned out a good mm-hmm. deal by the time uh I rolled in there. But given overtime, as soon as it went to overtime, I was like, this is gonna be a nightmare. Yeah. No us. Did you watch the game somewhere, or were we just heading down there? No, I was just heading down there trying to park to go into the arena. Okay. And you couldn't – it was gridlock. You couldn't move. And I – like, the thing that – so, like, I I came in the back way, 471 to, like, 3rd Street, and down, and I just needed to make a quick right and a quick left, and I'm like, I'm there. I'm where I need to be. And the cop's like, no. And I'm like, but I I can see where I have to go. I can see it. And he made me go all the way down Maring Way and like loop around and gridlock bumper to bumper, nobody moving traffic. And it added an hour. And I was, I was not a happy camper. I walked in just ready to, to rage, quite honestly. Yeah. And then we get to our seats. We're in, I explained this already. We're in the second row. There's a row in front of us on the same level. So you okay. can't see anything because there's a row of people in front of you. And then one foot behind us is the Dayton student section. Oh. Loud. Uh, they had a good time. They, they earned it. I ain't mad at them. It's Ooh. just, you see, it, those aren't those aren't great work conditions. Who was the person you sat behind and uh, was it, you know, were you able to have a, a decent view or were you dodging left and right? You couldn't really see worth the crap. Oh, gosh. Well, I I mean, that place, obviously, it, it, it's rough. Uh, <laughs> it's It's got plenty of pub, uh, it, the negative variety. I heard it was almost impossible to even get in. The lines were so long for the fans coming in as well. Um, Obviously, a lot of talk about the whole 75-25, one fan base over the other, this, that, you know. It was not that. People have lost their stupid mind over that. <laughs> yeah. It was not. I mean, yeah, there were more Dayton fans there. We knew there were going to be more Dayton fans there. It was not 75-25. It was not 90-10. One half of the arena was UC fans. One half was Dayton fans. It was not that bad. Well, there we go. But you know what? 
Speaking of one half, one way, one half, the other way, the uh, one half that did not go the Bearcats way was the winning half. Um, as you mentioned, you might have had to go to Danco Transmission out of care before because you were about to ram into somebody with the uh, parking situation. But if someone afterwards was a little frustrated and you know what, they had to take their car over to Danco Joe this morning and, and get a little fixing or if you want to want to get someone something special right before, you know, Christmas holidays. Maybe a free oil, not a free, but an oil change with $10 off or a little fixing with 10% off. Head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Tell them that uh, Santa Aaron Smith sent you. That uh, Chatty Claws told you to head on in. Uh, you know, tell, tell, them, tell them Royer, the little elf that could, that's that's up there making, making things last second at the North Pole. Tell them that, that, that he sent you, the BBP. Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Love you, Danco Joe. Uh, let's just dive right into it, man. Um, Chad, you and Keegan obviously had the quick recap after the game. We call those therapy sessions following the game. There was quite a few of those during the football season. Let's hope not the same amount in basketball. Well, if there is the same amount, that'd be a pretty damn good season, but let's not hope uh, relative-wise, if you will. Uh, I'll take eleven and seven in the Big Twelve. Right, exactly. Hey, I, I, right on. That's that's it. You're dancing with that, but uh, man, eighty-two, sixty-eight, bad guys. And to be honest with you, a fourteen-point loss is a little bit closer than than what it felt like throughout most of the game. You know, a, a little surge late by the Bearcats. Of course, they was able to sprinkle a little bit on top there to push it back out uh, to fourteen. Man. That was a uh, a rough game to stomach, and one where the Flyers were they looked like the better team. They had Bearcats befuddled. Um, things just didn't go UC's way. Uh, Chad, we've gotten your synopsis. Aaron, you were saying all the night cap last night. You how excited you were for to hear Brent say, Aaron, what are your thoughts? A couple days removed from the game. And uh, now that you have been able to shut down your your uh, screen, and I'm the only one live on camera right now, as uh, I, I guess we'll we'll pass it back back over to Chad. Um, and uh, okay, looks like we're gonna pass it back over to Chad because Aaron is having technical difficulties, a lot like what the Bearcats had on the court a little bit here and there. Um, Chad. Just general observation. I've got some some finer key points I want to dive into a little bit more, but just uh, overall, it's it just you know tough loss and and one that the fan base is definitely diving deep into and, and coming out very frustrated. Uh I mean honestly, I just I keep going back to the defense, man. Yeah, the, the defense has been fine. Uh, yeah except for Xavier and Dayton, which is a concern because those are the two best teams you played yep. and they have shredded Cincinnati. I mean, it has been a parade to the foul line. Um, it's one of those like where I, I didn't think the whistle was even right, but I thought Cincinnati was called for fouls. I just yep. thought Dayton fouled and didn't get called. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't think that that they called the things on Dayton that they called on Cincinnati, um, which which left me like with an uneasy feeling about like how the how the whistle went. But ultimately, you've got to be able to to be solid defensively. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, Dayton goes on that little run uh, to start the second half. I mean, it was it was a one point game at the final media timeout of the first half. Yeah, I think it was 26, 25, something like that. And then Dayton just dominated the next eight minutes, the the four minutes going into half and then the four minutes coming out of the half. Um, Dayton just just dominated. But Cincinnati could never claw back into the game because they couldn't get stops. I mean, Dayton, it felt like scored on almost every possession and it felt like they were getting the ball wherever they wanted. And, And that's what led to the fouls is Cincinnati couldn't stop Dayton from getting to their spot and then the reaching or their hacking to, to try to alter the shot or, or keep them, you know, because it was, it was almost, it felt like it was almost all shooting fouls. Didn't it? Yeah. That I, the, the whole thing about this game, obviously that the free throw situation was, was tough. And then you you could compound that with, Dayton hitting the amount that they did is makes it even feel even worse. Well, they're you know, a good shooting team, so they are. Oh yeah, you can't sure. you can't send them to the line, especially Kobe Elvis. Like he's gonna make free throws. He can 14 shoot. Fourteen of fourteen. Yeah, yeah. You send him to the line fourteen times. You're just giving them an advantage that's that's gonna be near impossible to overcome. And they continued to do it. Like, it, it didn't go away. It wasn't something that was like a blip. It was something that carried over from first half to second half. And it just, it put the Cincinnati offense. It was the offense good? No. But that was a slower pace game. And they still yeah. averaged over a point per possession. Like, it wasn't like they were terrible offensively. But they mm-hmm. were so bad defensively. That it didn't. It almost didn't matter what the offense did. Yeah, because they right. just weren't able to keep keep within reach at any point in the second half. Yeah, I, and you know another thing was you know the fact that, that coming into the game, Kobe Bray obviously is the the one. It, well, they have multiple good three point shooters, but Kobe Bray was is their best three point shooter, and all four of his makes were relatively wide open, yeah. good easy release, easy shots, and I, of course he switched every single one but it was just that goes back on the defense and i you know there's going to be more with a topic that i want to bring up a little bit later but you know one was like it was Odie on on brea and then there was a little bit of a screen between that got Odie and vic mixed up and it's just like okay why are Odie and vic the two players that are out defending brea who is a known three-point shooter and think they both get lost and it's literally wide open Easy, easy shot for Brent. I think some of this, Brent, Wes is in a tough spot right now because they're not defending ball screens well in man, like straight man. Right. They're not getting over screens well enough. They're not able to stay connected. So then you try to switch. And then when you switch, you end up with, you know, a guard on a big. And then you can set those ball screens that leave you in a situation where Odie and Vic are defending a guard and a big and a ball screen, that's not going to work. Like, it's not mm-hmm. going to get it done. And I I can see Wes is scrambling. Wes doesn't ever want to play zone. Yeah. They played six possessions of zone by my count. They could have been a little bit more. I counted six. They gave up uh, 
three layups, two threes, and a trip to the free throw line. Dayton was five for five from the floor and and two for two from the free throw line in the six possessions that I counted since Natty was in zone. Um, they're defensively they they've got to get some stuff figured out because guess what when when you look at the Big Twelve, it is a monster league defensively. Yeah, defensively right. it is a monster league. So you're not going to be scoring. 78, 82, 84 points regularly in this league. Correct. You're going to be, you know, if your offense is playing well, you're going to be in the 70s, 74, 75, somewhere in that range, which is which is good offense. Mm-hmm. But if they play defense like this, and you cannot continue, I mean, what? Uh, Quincy Oliveri and Davion McKnight combined for 47, I think, 27 and 20. Okay. I think was that, that total. And then, uh, the, the two Dayton guys, 55. Holmes and Holmes and Kobe. Holmes and Elvis. And yeah. Elvis. Yeah. 55, I think 28 and 27. Yep. Um, yep. if you can't stop, we saw it with Howard, Seth Towns went off. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't, you're not going to stop the other teams like best player, but if you can't frustrate them and they are just getting whatever they want, yeah, it ain't going to work. And Randy, I disagree. Dayton was not in control from the tip. No, it was 26, 25 at the under four t- at the final media stop in the first half. It was like eight and to three. In the, yeah. In the first little second. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a slow start. It wasn't a game that, that they got punked early. It's, for whatever reason, in the middle of that game, Dayton just exploded and and Cincinnati could not get a bucket and could not get a stop. And, you know, I, the other thing I'm concerned, I've, I've got a list. We're going to get to Aaron in a second because now that he's back, I want to get to him. <laughs> They're not turning anybody over. No. No. Like, that's one of the things that's supposed to be the strength of this defense is, is – turning folks over and turning defense into offense. They had zero fast break points. Dayton had, what, seven turnovers? Yeah, so they are 277th in turnover percentage so far on the year. Uh, And and think about that. that, That's against a lot of cupcakes that you should probably be turning over a lot more than you are. Um, But, yeah, in this game in particular, Dayton, they only had, what was it? Yeah, six turnovers. Six. Yeah. I was right around it. Five and seven. I just Bearcat Bearcats at seven, yeah. Yeah. So I I just don't know like they're gonna have to figure out defensively what their identity is and what their calling card is on defense because right now it whatever it is is bad. Yeah. And not kind of bad, bad, bad. I you know it's it's strange though, because you you look at just the, the pieces. And and I think this is what really frustrates Wes too, is because, you know, he talked about it in the post-game press conference about how much length they have and how, how they have a distinct size advantage over most teams in the, in the entire country. And I, on ball, you know, Newman is a fantastic on, on ball defender. Day day is, is a pretty doggone good on ball defender. Then you have Jizzle. Who's a, he's disruptive, you know, he uses his hands well and, and he's, going to grow into being a really good defender and then of course you have Aziz in the post who who's a great help side blocker and 
just can use his size and athleticism to, you know, become just a deterrent at the rim. But somehow they haven't been able to figure out any, like even Dan, and I know we're going to talk about Dan later, his, Dan's at a bit of a struggle right now, but he has size and length. I, you know, you just continue to go down the list and just what is it you think that they just can't find out the certain way to make things mix? Is it the, the two bigs on the floor at once that makes the, you know, passing off all these screens and, you know, now all of a sudden you have mismatches once you just switch the screens instead of fighting over them. I, I, I'm trying to figure out if you have enough individual pieces that can potentially hide a defender to that struggle a little bit. Yeah. But when they go, Small, they're not defending either. So it's not just a matter of when the two yeah. bigs are in, they're struggling to defend. Right. They're struggling to defend every possession. Period. Yeah. Which is like, which is why Wes was visually frustrated because he said we we tried everything, and you know he's he's mentioned how they aren't his own team, and I I think we we saw why. How he stressed how he wants to be a physical man to man defensive team, but. I mean, like Keegan said in in the uh, therapy session, it did seem like every time that Dayton tried to attack downhill, it was either a layup or a foul. Uh, and, and Holmes is a is a mis, mismatch nightmare. I mean, he's or an NBA open player. Three. There, there were kickouts for open threes involved in there as well. Right, right. Uh, Holmes is a mismatch nightmare, and if he's going to go downhill on, on any big, it's going to be trouble for the, for the big he's going downhill on, but still, it just seemed like everyone was able to, to get downhill. I, I just, I don't know. It's I, Wes, I understand the frustration that he had because they, they, they threw everything at the wall and, and nothing truly stuck at all. No, I mean, and it felt like even when Dayton didn't score, it was because they missed. Like it wasn't because you see dug in and got to stop. It was because they missed because they were shooting on the worst rims uh, on earth on both ends of the floor. I mean, there's some jokes I could make about those rims that'll get us demonetized. Oh, uh, they they were bad. I mean, okay. you, you saw it. I noticed it yeah. within 30 seconds of getting to our spot and standing under the rim. Uh, you could see like there were nobody was getting a bounce at all. Well, it seems like anywhere but the Maui Invitational, all the most neutral court rims are just they're yeah. they're tough. They take some getting used to. Um, well, somebody pointed out it looked like like if you looked at the the shot clock, it didn't have the the red light around the shot clock. Like it literally, those are backboards that have been sitting in storage. Right. That the only time they come out is once a year for the Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> uh, and other than that, they haven't been used for a real basketball game in a decade. Right. Aaron, are you live? You back, brother? I'm good. I don't know what. So I can behind the curtain. Um, yeah. One of the kids got a new light or something from for Christmas at family Christmas this past weekend, and, it's and I keep getting I, it's Bluetooth, and I keep getting notifications in the corner saying "Add new device." I'm gonna keep hitting X, and no matter how many times I keep hitting X, I don't want this new device added. It, for whatever reason, I keep dropping it's audio. Telling, so I had yeah. him go. I had him go unplug the said light in his room. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. But we're going to get that figured out. That all said, I wanted to start off just saying that I love renewing this rivalry and I hate it at Heritage Bank Arena, but I think that this rivalry needs to stay alive. It needs to continue to be a thing. I wouldn't hate 
if Dayton became a, a team that's just always on the schedule again. It's the third longest schedule for Cincinnati um, out of all of their rivalries. Um, I, I think that you should keep it alive, even if it's not an every year thing, maybe uh, two years on, two years off, two years on, whatever the case may be. I, I think you need to do what you can do to keep that alive. It's good for the region. Um, it's just Heritage Bank Arena ain't it. Uh, I'm curious, Chad, could you feel the the fact that the court was on top of an ice rink? Yeah, it was chilly. Um, so I don't know if that had any effect. I know teams do that, but I, I can't imagine that that's a natural feeling court. Um, I, I don't know what that affects the the ball or the court. Or, There's or a lot of NBA that. arenas that have that have the ice underneath too. I think it's. NBA arenas don't actually care about basketball during the regular season, though, until they get to the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah. But I digress. Um, I don't know when the last time was I saw Cincinnati shoot the ball 73 times and only make 27 of those shots. That's insane to shoot 24 more times than the other team um, while allowing the other team having 24 less shots to shoot damn near 50%. That's outrageous. All of those stats combined is outrageous to me yeah that's that's it's like 3.2 point like they didn't need to make as many shots because they made so many of them and uc did not um, <laughs> absolutely insane cincinnati obviously wins with the rebounds but when you're shooting that many shots i, I guess you're, you're the other team's running down the floor i don't i don't know um, well you see had a massive size advantage on the offensive glass it was just so. it, I, the the watching the game while I was trying to partake in Christmas dinner and all of that. Um, I, I was kind of a recluse during the game, um, but it was it was frustrating enough that I stopped paying attention um, about halfway through the second quarter, um, and that's when they went on their run. I look back down and I'm like, oh, now it's eight. What, what's happening here? Um, I did notice though. They started playing uh, Jizzle and Day-Day at the same time this game. Um, but not to make excuses for this team, but this team has been going through the ringer as far as the roster construction goes. When you add Aziz just still only, what, six games ago, now you add Jamil Reynolds, his first game in. Um, you also had Simas Lakosius get hit by a car, so you lost him for a game and a half, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm wondering how much of his legs are under him at this point. Um, so you, again, teams have injuries. I'm, I'm not trying to make that an excuse, but they're still figuring out rotations. They're still figuring out all of the, the team chemistry when you have different guys on the court. Um, I don't know how much they were actually practicing with Aziz and Jamil while they were not actively on the roster. Um, I imagine that there was still some practice time where those, those guys were in, but there was, there was, but it's really hard to do game prep with guys that sure. aren't going to be in the game. Like it's, you know, you, you get into that, like that two day window before the game, uh, the day, like two days before is like the install of everything. And then you're drilling down the day before the game on the game plan and then the game. So yeah, they're there and they're, they're practicing and they're going through drills and they're, they're part of the team. But once the season starts, there's not a lot you can do. Right. 
Yeah, well, without it, them it, being on scout or something, right? You saw during the game. No, scout doesn't even matter. Like then they're doing what the other team is supposed yeah, to play. They're not getting any work on normal reps. Yeah. Yeah. Because even on game days, it would be that these would go through a personal workout before game. Jamil would have the right. personal workout after the game. So it's kind of like, you know, not really in the mix. I see what you're saying, Aaron. And I think also that another thing about Jamil, I, well, first off, I, what, what's your guys' overall general impression? I mean, Jamil only logged, I think, what, seven, eight minutes? Seven minutes. Yeah, seven yeah, minutes. But, yeah seven, uh, eight minutes. Yeah. But still, I, thoughts on just Jamil's first appearance as a Bearcat? First off, obviously, awesome to have him back. Awesome that that decision was made last week. Wow. Starting out with a dunk was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it reminded me of the Aziz uh, uh, block and then oop a little bit later that they kind of welcomed him to uh, to Bearcat land. And then obviously, yeah, the uh, offensive rebound and, and flush by uh, Jamil. But uh, just kind of, you know, Chad, obviously you've seen a lot of Jamil of, you know, during practices and, and whatnot during the offseason. Thoughts on how you think he's going to be able to roll and, and fit in in the rotation and just his overall first game. Obviously, it's gonna, it's a little tough against, you know, a team like Dayton that's a, a, a pretty good team, and all of a sudden you're you're thrown into the mix trying to get the rotations underlined as as you're kind of on the on the fly, if you will. Are you do you challenge yourself that like how long a question can be? Uh not normally. It's <laughs> it, it's probably the energy drinks that kind of rev me up. So well like you asked the question and then I went to go into the answer. And then you describe the question that you asked for 90 seconds. Let me try it again. <laughs> hey, Chad, what are your thoughts on Jamil's first appearance as a Bearcat? I, you know, I think there were a couple good things. See, that was Chef's Kiss. That's why this podcast goes two and a half hours every <laughs> This one will not be two and a half hours. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but. I think it was okay. Like you could see what they want to do with him. He was only one for five, and and that play was kind of a ball that just came right to him, yeah. and he dunked. Um, you could tell he, he didn't have his rhythm back to the basket in terms of absorbing contact and and being up, uh, able to go up and make a shot. Right. Um, but the one thing with him that's that you just notice immediately is how much bigger he is than everyone else. Like that's the the joke of why I call him an aircraft carrier because he just stay like he's one of those dudes that he stands next to somebody that is big and makes them look small. Yeah, I noticed that like, too. Yeah, I mean he is just a monster physical presence that mm -hmm. um you know hopefully as you get him up to speed he puts you in a situation where you've got a little bit more continuity and, and a little bit more of an identity because I, I ultimately like that's what feels like is missing from this team is is what like what are they defensively what are they offensively you know they're mm -hmm. against Dayton and X like they're a flow team and they just they never really got into much flow yeah uh they, they didn't have the assist numbers were way down there's a lot of one on one. Uh, there wasn't a lot of ISO where it was guys dribbling the air out of the ball, but there just there there was no the ball didn't pop. Yeah, it, it they, didn't feel were, like there were a lot of possessions where I feel like they were only passing it one once or twice against both Dayton and Xavier. They're not 
passing around, 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 letting the offense continue to open up. Right. That's what that's and what then, I mean when yeah. that's what the ball popping. That's what it. That's like the the basketball nerd term. You gave the the fan. Brent, I gave the Brent the, answer. Yeah, the Brent answer is what? yeah. The, the ball is not. They're, oh, you're not sure. moving side to side. You're not <laughs> moving the defense. Um, we're back to they're back to the three of us. Like this is how the three of us used to work. Remember poke at each other a little bit and have some fun. Yeah. Um, but that, like, who are they? What, what are they, what are they, like, when they go into a game, what are they looking to accomplish? And I, I don't think some of it is a lot of new faces. Some of it is Aziz getting eligible after four games, Jamil getting eligible after nine or eight or whatever. Like, there's been so much flux that they haven't been able to use November and December to come out on the other end with like, this is what we do. This is who we are. Right. So I have a question in regards to a topic that I've been a little heavy on, and that's trying to figure out the jizzle and day-day situation. Can you start? I, I wonder just to get the best out of both of these guys at this point, it feels more to me like Jizzle's a first half guy and Dede is a second half guy. Can you start Jizzle in the first half, start Dede in the second half and get the most that you can out of the point guard situation? I mean, I, Chad, I'm interested to hear what you say, but I, I, I don't think it's more about a starting thing. I, I think it's kind of also a, a situation where it's like, you know, everyone has their own individual storyline within the team. If that makes sense. Like, you know, it's it's day day's first year at this level. You know, Jizzle is freshman, and then you add in all the other players who have all had their individual starting. You know, Dan and sophomore year trying to figure it out after a hot start. You have all that stuff going on with with, with Aziz and Jamil. It it does feel like both point guards at this point are kind of they're pressing to to really find their their way to have an identity on the team. Neither are really looking to create for a pass. Both seem to be just creating to score. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe that's just their game. I maybe agree. That, actually, that's what the game. But some plan. of it's also nobody stopping them getting to the rim. Yeah, when they're going and they're on. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, it it just like, the assist numbers as as a whole against the higher level teams seem to be down. It it just seems like it. It kind of, and that probably has to do with the ball popping scenario and, and things of that sort. Well, in flow, your point guard's not going to be the one with the ball in his hand all the time. It's it's moving, right. yeah. so you you know you kind of want your point guard a lot of times to be like the hockey assist guy. Mm-hmm. The point guard gets the ball moving, the next guy gets it into scoring position, and the third guy scores. Um, but you're right; they're not they're not out there they didn't they didn't come here to pass right uh <laughs> they're not in college to pass uh so i i think that's some of it but i don't think that like for me that is not something with either of those guys that's going to change yeah that is who they are that's how they play basketball like that's what you signed up for yeah i it's not great and I only say that because, I mean, I don't know how else you get your assist numbers up if the guy who's coming up with the ball is looking score first 
As opposed to pass first. Yeah, but you don't want the design of this is it's four or five passes before you're in position to score is what I'm getting at, Aaron. It's not the guy that has the ball passes and then the guy he passes to shoots like they want the ball to move and everybody to touch it like they want to move the defense. And and right now, for whatever reason, like with Dayton, they talked about Dayton was overplaying the uh, the passing lane on the wings. Um, if that's all it takes to throw you out of your offense, you're in trouble in the Big 12 because just everybody will just, okay, we're going to overplay the wings and they won't be able to do anything. Right. And they like that, uh, you know, like where where they bring Aziz up or whoever's playing the five at the top of the key, give it to him. Yeah, that's to get the ball moving. Right. So, and, and that's, I know that's part of the movement, the offense, but – Dayton literally pulled the, pulled the defender all the way back to just yeah. completely take away anything that would happen in the post. It seems like, you know, there was no adjustment for that once that came into effect. So I, I've never been, a, they did it with Vic before Vic was a shooter and teams do the same thing. They would just right. say like, you know, toes on the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, and let him stand there at the top of the key and, and do this. I'm not, I don't love that. I know why it's done. Yeah. But if it's being done by a guy, that's not a threat to do anything with it offensively in that spot. I don't know what advantage you're gaining, you know, by having him up there. Like now with Vic, at least Vic can shoot it. Vic's got enough handle where if you're going to play all that far back, he's going to take two dribbles and body up with the guy that's, you know, now kind of retreating at the free throw line. Um, I think with Jamil, you can use him up there. I I don't know with Aziz, like, nobody's scared of him there. No, especially because then if they rotated onto one of the wings, that second defender is already back there to deny any entry pass to Vic or whoever else is is playing the quote-unquote four in that scenario. So, I don't know. It's just another thing. As far as Aaron, like who to start in each half, I I don't think it really matters. Well, I, I mean, I guess just, just we're starting to see a pattern is what I'm getting at, where Jizzle yeah. is, is honestly, I think, playing better in the first half, and, and Dede has shown better numbers in the second half, and that's becoming a thing of regularity. You've seen it now in a couple of years. I think good in the first half. I, I think I'd tell both to just go balls to the walls from the get-go, you know? Like – like it seemed like Day Day flipped that switch in the second half. You saw him got to get downhill a bunch, and you know, it's like, okay, if you could show that you could do that, why not go for that? I, I think he kind of what well, he shot once in the first half, I believe. Yeah, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how they both kind of have that. Emma, I I think they worked fine together. Um, I'm interested in your guys' hey, thoughts. Mean, on, I thought they looked pretty good on that. Together. Yeah. I, I mean, it just was a lot more disruption out on top defensively. And then, I, I mean, Jizzle's pretty doggone good at, at mid-range. They both can get to the basket. Uh, neither's really a, a knockdown three-point shooter at all, but teams at least have to somewhat respect it uh, enough where, where you know, they got to close out a little bit when, when they're open from beyond the arc. So I thought it looked really good. And then I think that would open up a lot more getting into the lane and, and, you know, building offense based off that. So 
I think we'll see more of that as things trickle on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I like, like I talked about, they were they were not ready to do it yet because they were still, you know, getting both of those guys up to speed and playing the one. Right. I think they're they're comfortable enough now that it's like okay, we can we can start to incorporate like what we would want them to do if they were in at the two uh a little bit more so i do think it's something you know you're gonna you're gonna start to see a little bit more often um i i liked what i saw of it against dayton yeah yeah i agree uh i didn't get enough i didn't get to pay enough attention to the game to be able to give you a really good read on how they played at the same time i just noticed it, they were it both looked in. good they looked good and the one thing you have to worry about with jizzle as a freshman he still kind of ball watches off the ball. Like yeah. it, he's good on the ball and, and does a pretty good job there, but off the ball, he can, he can get lost uh, right. for stretches as an yeah. off ball defender. So if you're asking him to play the two, guess what? He's going to be off the ball quite yeah. a bit more defensively. We saw that late in the game um, yeah. on Saturday. Uh, your guys' thoughts on, on kind of, you know, Chad, you and, you and, uh, Keegan started to get at this a little bit. I want to kind of expand it a, a tiny bit more. Uh, kind of the go-to player on the team. Not necessarily the guy that, you know, who's going to be the one to take the last shot type scenario, but who's going to be the one to, like, kind of get offense flowing when things are not flowing, if you know what I mean. I I mean, CMOS is the best guy they have for that role. Right. So when is he going to take that? take the reins and be that guy. It seems as if right now he in spurts he is, but I, I feel like yeah. it needs to be a little bit more in order for things to really get going. I think so too. I agree. Aaron, you know, but you like, even in? if you, if you look at that team from across town, like Quincy Oliveri was having that problem to start the season. Right. And, and then the crosstown shootout, it kicked in. And the guy's been just lighting everybody up ever since. I mean, three games. I think he's had 25-plus in, in all three games. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to just walk in and I'm the guy. Yeah. Like, some of it has to develop. Some of it has to be natural. And he had the foot injury. And then he got hit by a car. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's – three, four games of, of action where he was either limited or out right. that he wasn't really able to like assume or, or grab that role. I don't know. I, I just would be happy to see. I know Xavier had talked about it after the loss to Delaware, where they said that they felt like a leaderless team. Uh, there's times where I feel the same watching this Bearcats team. Um, I, I feel like, John has been around the longest out of anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I wonder, I I don't know that he's necessarily the vocal leader that that we've seen. I think he's a lead by example guy. Yeah. um, And so, so I don't feel like I see him out there, you know, barking at anybody or or pulling anybody in or anything like that. Um, I think he's just out there grinding. Um, And this might be his worst game of the season. Um, So that's not a knock. obviously a knock in in that it's his worst game of the season, but he's been really good even in losses. Uh, um, or I guess the other loss. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see, 
And I wonder if we'll see some of that with, with Jamil now being eligible as he seems like a guy who plays with, with fire. Um, and I feel like when we saw the, the games that we saw against Temple, um, I feel like he was kind of that guy. And I don't know if we're going to see that out of him. Um, but I don't know who else you would expect that other than Simas to be that guy that, that is kind of the, the loud vocal leader. And I, I don't know kind of to Chad's point that, that Simas has the natural body of work thus far wearing a Seapaw that he's able to do that. What about Vic? Uh, yeah, it, it I don't seemed, think he wants that role. Yeah, throughout the, the first handful of games, it was like Vic was going to have a potential all Big 12. One of the teams, see his name there, be be the one Bearcat to be in the running for it. Uh, it, it. It just seems as if the the development of the three point shot, it's been you know, it's been a gift and it's been it's been a positive. It seems like it's also been a bit of a negative at times as well. Um, knocked down a bunch early in the year, uh, especially in that Georgia Tech game. Now all of a sudden it, it's, it looks like he's he's kind of forcing some from deep and also just completely taking him away from the basket as well. Your guys' thoughts on how they can get Vic back into kind of his bread and butter, which was, you know, being able to, to score around the basket. I mean, it's, I think – go ahead. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I'm sure you will, but I wonder how much of it is just Vic getting used to playing with the other bigs around him. Um, I know people are talking about how us playing two bigs at the same time has been clogging things up. You still have only played, what, five games thus far with Aziz, uh, maybe six, um, and you, you've played one game with Jamil. Odie learning his new role where he's coming off the end of the bench. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of reps. Plus, you're still working things out with your guards even, where now you've started playing both – Jizzle and Day Day at the same time, you're still just working with rotations. And I, I don't know, it's late in the out of conference to still be working on rotations, but this team didn't have a choice. So the hardest part when you play Vic and Aziz together is that if you playing two bigs on the block doesn't work anymore. It, it clogs up spacing. There, there's no room. Your guards can't drive. When the when there are entry passes into the post, it's an easy double and recover, uh, or you can shade and and be in position for a weak side block. You can't move Aziz out there because this guy's just not going to go. He's not going. He, it's not a threat. He's not going to go. He's going to stand at the free throw line and essentially just be an extra defender. Blueprint is out, um, man. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's not even a blueprint. It's just right. it's, it, it's no. two seconds yeah. to scout his game right. that you don't have to guard his ease inside 15 feet, so you don't. Right. So the only way to create spacing when they're both in the game is to have Vic on the perimeter. Um, I think some of what we need to see more of is Vic being understanding that he can catch and go from there. Like, he's creating the spacing because he's pulling his guy out because you do have to respect his three-point shot. Right. You can't just stand 10 feet away from him and let him, you know, just stand there and get set. So Vic is the one when you're playing the two-big set that, that gives you the spacing that's necessary, but he has allowed himself to become too one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. 
because we have seen him before catch, square up, and then take two or three dribbles and have his man on the block. Yeah. So if you're playing them together, my point being, it's very difficult to post Vic up mm-hmm. if you're playing Vic and Aziz together or even Vic and Jamil together because the the weak side big, the backside big, does not have to provide spacing. They can just hang, like I said, one foot in the lane, stand somewhere 15 feet, you know, and and right. and be a lot, you know, you're 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 loading the box, yeah. as coaches call it. So that's why Vic is out there. Mm-hmm. But I think there are ways outside of having him just stand there and be a stationary three-point threat that he can still be effective from out there by creating some some trouble for the defense because right now he's standing he's setting screens and standing yeah uh because he doesn't he's not instructed to go down in low in those points because it just it stalls the offense even more um and and that's where i think a lot of you know people frustrated saying you can't play two bigs i think that's where it's coming from is Essentially, you have these three guys, and only one of them has at least somewhat of a reputation of of spacing the floor. Now, Jamil can shoot it out to three, but yeah, I don't think that's necessarily something you want your six eleven and a half, two hundred and sixty five pound monster, right? Uh, you know, twenty five feet from the rim launching yeah. three. So it's it's difficult because there's there's not a lot of uh, flexibility. And I think that's what people are frustrated with when you have multiple bigs on the floor and they're not skilled. Right. You know, I I think you could run to six, 10, six, 11 guys that they both can stretch you and they both can put it on the floor a little bit. And they both can, you know, Jamil, the one thing we've seen and heard is he can really pass out of the block. So we haven't seen that yet because he didn't play enough time. But yeah. just schematically, from an X's and O's standpoint, it's difficult to create space if you're playing with two big guys, one of whom can't draw his guy anywhere outside of 10 feet. I, they need to, and, and I'm sure they have. And Wes has mentioned Jamil being one of the best passing bigs he's seen. So they need to really work on the big-to-big passing. Um, I don't know. It, something I kind of saw a little bit was the fact that it seems like all the bigs, for the most part, when they when they are near the post, is they they back their guys down. They aren't really you know face up players right. to the point where they can see the other big open. I, numerous times when Vic had it in the post, Aziz was wide open underneath the rim. Um, and he did find him that one time with a good big to big pass, but that's something that needs to be there a little bit more too if you're going to go with two bigs. Uh, but yeah, if if Jamil can add that dimension as well, the more he gets involved in, you remember back in the Georgia Tech game, Aziz's first game, he he didn't start, came off the bench, and all of a sudden he's been in the starting lineup every single game. I'm sure the same thing is going to happen with Jamil, where his his minutes get ramped up a little bit more. Um, which leads me to the the next question is uh, rotations, um, rotations, and kind of just overall. 
numbers being spread out. Obviously, what you, you hear the whole basketball talk in college basketball is when February hits and going into March, teams you know shorten up their rotation because they know that okay, this is what's going to happen. It, everything's going to amp ramp up. We need to have our our best rotation out there, best eight guys, this, that, and the other. Do, do you feel like that sense of urgency is kind of kicked up a little bit now because it's the Big Twelve and and you need to figure out the best way to kind of not necessarily shorten the bench, but get the right players out there to win these tough games. I will also add this. You know why the reason most coaches say you only want to play seven, eight players is because they like, only have seven they or eight have, players right. that can play. Yeah. I mean, put Cincinnati, like they've got legitimately what they believe is 10 guys that, that, that can contribute right? and that you want to get in the game. But then you start to deal with like, are you leaving your guys long enough? Are, are you are they on the floor long enough to get in a rhythm? Right. Are they on the floor long enough to get hot and stay hot? Um, so I, I don't think you're going to see this team all of a sudden play eight guys. Right. Like you didn't go through what they've gone through for six months to not have a team that has depth. Um, I think the key is like right now, I, again, what, what are you trying to accomplish offensively? And then I think when you figure that out, you figure out what your best offensive lineup is. The problem is what are you trying to do defense? Like right now, if you want my honest opinion, figure out who's going to go out there and defend and the rest can work itself out. Yeah. Um, you have got to got to figure out a way to get stops and if there are two or three guys that on tape are causing the breakdowns then they have to see their minutes cut because if you're giving up and they gave up in the 80s easily in the 80s to Dayton and Xavier Mm -hmm. there are a lot a lot better offenses than Xavier in the big 12 and Dayton is about like what you see, what what you think you're going to see on most nights is a Dayton level offense, and both of those teams just kick Cincinnati's defense right in the teeth. Yeah, that's the that's the tough thing. It's yeah, but that's when when we do those exercises, everybody's like, "All right, well, this is who I want on the floor," and it's ninety percent of the time, like I want the best offense on the floor. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have Jacoby Walter. Like, you don't have a 30 point a night, 25 point a night guy on any given night. Yeah. Um, so I, give me, give me the defense right now and, and, and go from there and, and figure out the rest. Who makes us uh, the best defense we can be and put those five on the floor and uh, navigate from there. I think is is my stance on it. You know, we we magically hit the number the uh, ten games in where where we can, according to West, but West says where he doesn't really trust Ken Palm until you're you're, you're ten games in. So we've hit we've hit the threshold. There is only four teams ahead of Dayton in offensive efficiency, but I mean the offense offensive efficiency went way up after this past uh, sure past Saturday for them. Because but, they were offensively efficient. Oh. <laughs> to an extreme. 
to an absolute extreme. Uh, I was almost expecting it in the one fours or one fives when I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it felt like that. I don't know. It. I guess you know. Also, is this the time of the year where you where you look at just overall plus minuses in games? Um, or you don't ever look at it in games. I mean, like as as a whole, adding it all up, it's. I think it's, you can start. I think you're starting to get a, enough of a data point. Yeah. Yeah, because it, obviously adding Jamil in, you you've seen the the numbers decrease for for Josh Reed. You've seen Odie with with seven minutes and and uh, and then Jamil with eight. Um, I I am interested to see. I you know these next three games. The the worst part is, and and you know I've been texting just just other friends and even my family about this because I've had I it's been sad, <laughs> but um, it's where these next three games I, they're all just you know crap teams and it's where if a win would have happened on Saturday you can go in watching these games. How excited you are to see Jamil get his feet underneath him, to see the cohesion happen. But now you're just looking at it like, gosh, I wish they played someone with any sort of substance in these next three games before BYU. But I guess these these next three games, one one thing, we'll wrap up basketball talk with this, one thing that you would, would like to see happen on the team, obviously you can't really take too much away because, I mean, it's Merrimack, it's – Stetson and it's Evansville and uh, all three are not very good, but there's still something that you could like to see heading into that BYU game. It doesn't matter. Right. I know. Which is kind of where I'm at. <laughs> well, then why'd you ask the question? Cause it's a podcast. Got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like, it's not like, you know, we saw a lot of things that we thought we were going to be able to take into the Xavier and Dayton games. And guess what? Yep. We didn't. None of them worked. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to have a couple games for Jamil to get his legs under him. But, I mean, you're probably you're, – you're not probably. You're definitely going to get better competition every day in practice than you're going to get from these three remaining games. Yep. Agreed. I just think that this is a time for call it what you will. It's not great competition, sure, but it's an opportunity for them to tweak some things, see what they have in the rotation, see what they have as far as trying to open up the flow of the offense again, like it used to be. And I'm honestly, I'd rather take that against three teams that you can beat regardless than to but have to the point the point being Aaron once you start playing top five defenses top 10 defenses like you're going to for the next two and a half months it doesn't matter what what Merrimack did to to slow you down like I I get what you're saying and in theory yes but my point being like what works against Merrimack is not going to work against I guess my point is you can't you can't simulate game game time in practice so at least also, this is game time with wins. You also can't simulate Merrimack with Baylor. Is, I understand. <laughs> it just it is, what it, it is what it is. I'm like, it is. I know. That's why it's Andrew Dell. I mean, that's Andrew Dell. Yeah. I mean, think it's kind of the hand you dealt yourself, though, right? Well, you stack the deck. Worst part is the fact that, you know, now, now the margin for error 
error is extremely it, it's gone uh, for the it's most gone. part. There is it's, no there's no margin. For there's error. there's no margin for error. Um, the the Big Twelve is is a gauntlet. There's no doubt about that. And now it, you're going to have to figure out a way to to maneuver through that gauntlet. Um, I'll be interested to see if if, if it is CMOS a little bit more not ball dominant, but kind of the, the guy that, that gets things rolling. I, I know CJ Frederick has, has gone through what he's going through, but I want to see even more shot attempts for CJ Frederick. Like, I, I don't know the, there's a lot of things that are left to be desired. Um, but man, just after Saturday, I I'm with you, Chad defense is, is first and foremost. If you can't defend, then you're not going to beat anyone. I'm just worried that they're not going to be able to figure it out in practice because the things that you're not good at on defense is the things that you're like also not good at on offense. So by that, I mean, you're allowing guys to shoot open and we're not finding those open shots. So like, it's just a mess. I'd argue more, you know, because I, I disagree to disagree more often than not. Um, getting to the free throw line. Like this is not a team that draws a lot of fouls and it's hard to practice drawing fouls when you're a team that doesn't draw a lot of fouls. And that's, that's, if you want to find the anomaly from the games that weren't Xavier and Dayton to the games that were, they don't foul bad teams, but they fouled the shit out of Xavier and Dayton boys. (laughs) And yeah. make no mistake, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that is the fault of an official or an officiating crew. They are fouling too much. That is not placing blame anywhere else. I know people like to they did that in the Howard game too. I mean, you could you could say they did that in the Howard game as well. Somewhat, yeah. Howard got to the line a decent amount. Um, it's crazy to look you, at these stats. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to keep. The, the 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 guys that want to shoot free throws on the other team off the line, they have been terrible at it the last two Saturdays. Terrible. Yeah. Uh how about this, Chad? Kind of kind of rolling with what you're saying. Florida Gulf Gulf Coast, yeah, bad team, but they only shot three free throws. Very next game, Xavier <laughs> at Xavier, 26 free throw attempts. They made 22. Game right after that, Bryant, yes, Bryant's terrible, but nine free throw attempts. And then, of course, on this past Saturday, 30 free throw attempts for Dayton. They made 28. That's disgusting. And what, I, what I've what i also got was getting at earlier, you're not you're, – you're foul – like that, that gap you have between fouls one and seven where they go into the bonus. Yeah. Like those are dead ball fouls. Like that, those don't kill you. Except – Cincinnati's fouling shooters, and they're yeah. going to the line and making them. So the other team is essentially in the bonus from the first second of each half because Cincinnati keeps fouling guys in the act of shooting. And then they go to the free throw line. They're fouling good shooters, and they're converting. Yeah. And let's tell our shooters to like pretend that they're at fifth third every time they fire up a three. Just just pretend you're there. Just shoot well, like you you're want at to know why you want to know I was worried about the rims being tight. Why? Dayton's got a bunch of dudes that don't hit rim. <laughs> right? Like they got a bunch of 
Man. Cincinnati's got some guys that can shoot. Dayton's got some dudes that that just hit net. I'm like, yeah. so that my, that was my first thought was, well, Cincinnati's Cincinnati as a three point shooting team is okay, right? But they're not a bunch of dudes that just are ripping the net, yeah, at all times. And Dude. Dayton has dudes that just rip the net, so it didn't matter how tight the rims were for Dayton; they weren't going to hit them. <laughs> I mean the the wild thing is that they had that that Nate Santos who they did a really good job defending. He shoot he kept came into the game like shooting like fifty four percent from three, and and he didn't make one. But yet two of the other guys, you know, of course Kobe Breas being the one, just wide open threes. Well, he like, just hit he hit his three were in the first half, and a couple at the end of the first half that. Oof. Just wide open. Yeah, it was wide open. It's it's crazy because the pieces are there. You you can no doubt see that there is talent, individual talent on the team. Um, it's just figuring out ways to to mold them together. Uh, I don't think necessarily rotations will be chopped down anytime soon, but you do see different ways that they could win. But it's going to be defense. It's going to be offense. So Got to figure it out. Um, Anything else? Basketball, obviously, we'll have a lot to talk about in Big 12 season. That's, that's for doggone sure. Yeah, I mean, train's coming. <laughs> that January slate. Woo! Boy, oh, boy. Train's coming. Boy, oh, boy. For for those of you that don't know, let me just uh, give you a quick refresher. It's gonna, it's not It's not going to take long. I got at you. BYU, Texas at home, at Baylor, TCU at home, Oklahoma at home, at Kansas. That's to open Big 12 play. Every single one of those teams inside of the top 34 in Ken Palm. Oh, it's man. And it's all fun. of them ranked in the in the human polls except TCU. Yeah. We talked about Gauntlet. That right there is Gauntlet. Boom. So yeah, but there's a stripe out and there's 90s nights. So we'll the crowd should be really into it. You know what? Well, you you win the strife out game in the nineties night game. You feel pretty good about your about your stretch throughout the day. For real. Yeah, I mean those so. those three home games because your odds of winning at BYU, at Baylor, and at Kansas are not great, Bob. I don't know. There's gonna be some special fans at Kansas, so who knows? We'll have to see. I'll be working. Oh, we're technically fans too. I'll be working. Right, professional fans. Okay. All right, let's timestamp this one. That timestamp is brought to you by our good friends at Twig Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, they service over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies. For all your janitorial needs, call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Before we roll into a uh, quick football talk, they want to mention, I, I kind of teased it in the opener, but uh, how about that 40 burger that was put up this past weekend? I, You, you know, it, here's the thing. When you have... 
the 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 feeling of of frustration, the feeling of we can't knock down shots, the feeling of you know we we need help. Then you see that a future Bearcat, when Tyler Betsy is able to flush in forty points, and and you watch the highlights, and sure the team didn't look great that he played, but hey, that's forty points, forty burger. Hats off to Tyler Betsy. Um, it's going to be and and there was an YouTube. article uh, this week up. Uh, on, on the network, I think Deshaun London, yeah, uh, who went and saw him play, and again talked about what what we talked about, what I talked about in the summer was mm-hmm. that on his AAU team, he he was asked to be a spot shooter. Right. Dylan Harper, his point guard, was was a guy that wanted to get downhill. They wanted Betsy to provide spacing, which he does yeah. because he's one of the best shooters in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, on his high school team, he's got to be more aggressive. He's got to attack. He's got to put the ball on the deck. Uh, so it's uh, – I have said since the summer, it's going to be important to see how he handles that through his high school season. And to date, it sounds like it is showing the progress that, you know, you wanted it to show. Uh, Adam Finkelstein was was the one oh, okay. Just give that makes sense. Adam time. Adam's an East Coast guy, lives yeah. up near the Nepsack. So yeah, yeah. He uh, he tweeted about it too. Said Betsy's back making moves. Would be awesome if if he somehow slid into that uh, five star threshold there at the uh, yeah. mid. He's, he's been he's been on the door right right uh, a couple times. Forty burgers will help that. There's yep. no doubt about it. Also wanted to mention real quick before we get to football, uh, yeah. the women's team is rolling. Uh, they're seven yeah. and three right now, um, as they have one last game in out of conference on December twenty first at home against Siena uh, before they start their Big Twelve play, uh, opening up against Kansas State on December thirtieth. But sitting at seven and three, they won the shootout. Uh, they they beat Kentucky, so they're they're rolling right now. That they are. Um... Five in a row. And shouts to I, I I trying to find her name who who dropped joined the thousand point club on their team. I'll find I'll find it and give her her flowers. But uh, yeah, they are rolling um, big time. Uh, taking down Xavier, so that that's uh, exciting to see. But I mean, the Xavier story did. Have you guys? I don't know. It, it's wild Xavier women's story, but it's a different combo for a different time. But uh, sure. football. We have had a handful more of portal editions. Aaron and Chad, you guys kind of quickly highlighted them over um, on the nightcap last night. But uh, since we last talked, uh, Evan Pryor running back Ohio State, Jaden Perry, long snapper Indiana State, Kai Stokes, Ohio State safety, Tony Johnson, wide receiver from Florida Atlantic, George Grubbs, Sorry, crumbs from Northern Illinois. Gums with a gums. G. Jeez, gums, thank you. Uh, and Ormani Arnold, Idaho, cornerback. Uh, seems like things are still kicking there. I, it, it's always funny to see the, the tweets that come out leading up to the commitment. It's a lot of that money ball talk. A lot of that uh, finding the different uh, little little pieces of each player that they love. And uh, kind of identifying not not necessarily diamonds in the rough, but uh, attributes that they think will help out the most and roll in. Um, out of the new commits, Aaron, you guys kind of highlighted them. Which ones kind of catch your eye the most out of the portal? There, 
I would I'm think fascinated that Evan, by gums. Yeah. I would think that Evan Pryor is probably one that, that fascinates me. Um, much in the mold of a Jerome Ford having been at a very big time school um, and having an injury and coming to Cincinnati, uh, but highly touted when he was being recruited. And uh, Kai Stokes was also a guy that Ohio State was super high on and getting starting minutes as opposed to backup minutes, even as, as a 1B type was clearly something that he valued. Chad, go ahead. I, I think they're they're checking the boxes that they need to check, and they're, they're the the one I think the most important trend: all multiple year guys, right? Not taking a single one year, you know, insert and then plan on ripping the band aid off uh, a season later. I think is important because it tells you they see this probably as a two-year evolution between next year and the following year, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully where Soresby comes in, has some success, is able to build, uh, and then become like the entrenched shot starter in 25, and then you're going to have all these portal guys with the next group of portal guys and the freshmen, and now you're – accelerating like you're not just doing stop start stop start stop start with one year guys you're you're focusing on building something you don't want to have to rebuild your culture every year either i mean if you're getting one and dones especially at these big positions that's here's also something that's really continue to rebuild that that culture in the locker room every year here's also something that's really important aaron we've talked about all these guys that announced they're coming back Mm -hmm. and how it was important to establish your core yeah almost all final year guys there is that obviously um but so you want to build that next wave coming up behind them uh while you're in the process of enjoying having a bunch of veteran guys that, you know, know what it's about coming back. You're also, even though you're, you might be aiming for 2025 to like be the ascend year, you are still going to be losing a lot of, a lot of uh, dudes, a lot of leadership more than anything. A lot of guys that you're going to count on now to establish the culture are going to move on after this year. So I, I think that's another important way to look at, why you're seeing so many multi-year guys. Which is awesome to see as well, because if you can see certain things that you like in them, put them in a strength and conditioning program that is at the level of Cincinnati's is, Nico Palazzetti, get them get them in line. Hey. Get, them, get them revved up. Hey, hey, uh, Nicky, Nico. We we need Nico back on, by the way. That's, a, that's one probably for the, for the summer. But uh, well, I mean, we'll get him back on here. The the freshman spring, yeah. Uh, the well, the transfers and the early enrollee guys will right. be coming in in a couple weeks. Yep. So maybe late January, oh, early wow. February, be good. Be a good time to dial back up. The Get Nico. your cutlets ready. Yeah. Get your cutlets ready. Um. Yeah. I. You know. You mentioned uh, a guy, Chad, transferring in had had four catches for forty four yards in twenty twenty two, and then now he's. Coming in as a defensive end, following his 
2023 move to defensive end. Uh, yeah, he's he's he quite great. Yeah, he does. I saw a picture of his photo shoot uh, when when he was on his visit, mm-hmm. and as the person that showed me the picture said, "That's what they're supposed to look like." <laughs> like right. he didn't look like that when he got to college, but he looks like that now. Like that's what they're supposed to look like. He's long. He's got a great frame. Like yep. you know, he just he looks bendy. Like it, it's it's what you want your your edge defenders to look like. And he looked like it. George Gums, NIU. Uh, obviously, a guy that Walt Stewart was was all about him. Um, really, really highly, highly Walt coveted. Also, a guy that was pretty skinny coming out of high school. Not that skinny, but yeah. Pretty, I, like, Walt knows a, a similar path. Yeah, exactly. And, and Darian Beaver is another one that comes to mind from from his his rise. I, he had kind of a little bit more of a roller coaster. Um, body transformation, but th- this this seems like, as you mentioned, a wide receiver slash moved to tight end at, at Northern Illinois. Now all of a sudden playing that edge and you know, three and a half sacks last last year. Uh, yeah, just obviously high potential. And you know, you add him in, Nico's able to get get his hands on him, add to what is already there as a baseline, and and see what you can make him into. But Definitely seems like a uh, a project that could be a lot of fun, you know. Um, Aaron, you mentioned both Ohio State transfers. I, you know, when you have a guy like Kai Stokes, who you know, bam offer, offer and offer Ohio State. Obviously, it just all the offers in the book, if you will. Uh, yes, that's that's a pedigree that you like, and he was making plays as a true freshman, as you mentioned as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how how they morph in, how they work. Uh, you know, of course, you guys. Spoke about it last night, but you know, Tony Johnson, wide receiver, has some had, had some good games last year. Seems like he's got a lot of speed, a lot of a lot of yak in his game. Uh Jaden Perry had that one play at Purdue. Good snap, get down the field, blow up the punt return man, get the force fumble. Sure, why not? Bring him in. And then Armani Arnold. Um looks like he's he's kind of added some some weight to him. Some some uh, since high school came in had a, had a good year this past year at Idaho. Uh, probably a quarterback could could play some slot corner as well if needed. Uh, just a, a a good crop out of the uh, transfer portal. But I'm pretty now, sure he's a slot corner. Oh yeah, slot corner. Okay. Uh, now the question becomes: Is is it uh, a dead period? Right. So right now it is a dead period. There can be contact like over the phone, electronic mm-hmm. communication, but no in-person contact until January 3rd or 4th, one of the two. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, all of those guys obviously lead into what is going to be signing day on Wednesday. Chad has kind of highlighted what all is going to be going down. A lot of action, a lot of fun on BCJ Network. Happy to do a signing day, and of course, a very special guest coming on the BCJ pod on Thursday as well. Uh, honestly, you look at this class, they're not really getting as much pub as they should. I, I, I was burning some tape throughout the day uh, today, and pretty much every single one of them had a pretty doggone good senior year. Um, are, are Chad, are we allowed to mention the early enrollees here, or do you want people to go to board for that? Uh, it'll be out there on Wednesday, so it's fine. 
Yeah, so we got uh, quarterback Samaj Jones, who's coming off of a state championship season. A fun stat about him. His career TD mark went over 100 total touchdowns. First time a city player has reached that mark since Kyle McCord. He he hopped over him. Uh, 94 was the total for Kyle McCord. Uh, obviously, the player, the quarterback last year for Ohio State. Um, in the state championship, Samaj had... 115 rushing yards and three touchdowns added 232 passing yards and two passing touchdowns. So he is, uh, he's big time. Uh, Kale Woodburn wide receiver, Dakari Anderson wide receiver. Uh, Kale had a good, good year, obviously, but uh, Dakari man, over 1400 total all purpose yards had, uh, you know, eight total touchdowns was a state champion was player of the game in the, in the state championship. Just another really good player uh, tight ends. Both Devin Zahersky and Gavin Grover. Offensive lineman Jake Wheelock. Linebacker Simeon Coleman. And the defensive backs Jaquan Sanks, Gravy Johnson, and Willie Goodwin, who Willie Goodwin had a, a monstrous year. Uh, he caught 985 yards receiving and 14 touchdowns through the air. And then defensively added 61 tackles and five interceptions. Um, when you look over this class as a whole, obviously there's going to be a bunch more coming later on this week, what are your general thoughts, Aaron, as, as it, it seems like it's going to, it's kind of got that, that big 12 feel to it and kind of the ability to kind of see the, the talent identification and everything else that the uh, recruiting staff has been able to do. It's the first class that this staff has put together. And I think that it's, it's one to be pretty excited about um, the highest ever uh, for Cincinnati. I, I think that people, it's lost on people that this is the highest ranked recruiting class ever by Cincinnati. Um, well, last year's was going to be ranked higher. Well, oh, it needs oh. to be bigger because they're in the Big Twelve. It can't. Okay. It can't just be the best ever. It's got to sure. be the best, best ever, Aaron. The best, well, best ever. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but I, this is this is a class that I don't know that you're going to see a ton of guys come in and play immediately uh, again. But I think that that's not a bad thing. I think that there's a couple different positions where you can see some guys push a little bit. Um, but I think that you're largely going to have, again, just another – I think this will be the second class in a row where you're really starting to, once again, establish that culture in the locker room. I know Ryan's not here, but I feel like we have to hit our quota for the word culture enough times on this episode. Um, but, no, I, I think that – real talk, that it, that it's – they're bringing guys in that they, they like the character of. They're not just – trying to fill a class as, as they were last year. And I think that they've had enough time to really put the work in and get the guys that they wanted to get. Chad. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I, I do think they will try to find a way to get a decent number of these guys on the field. Um, yeah. And it, I'm not necessarily saying in starting roles, uh, but if things go like, I think some of the people inside the program like want them to go. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing more names that they think could be in line for a, a role, not necessarily a starting role, but maybe a special teams role, maybe a role in the two deep um, more so than we've heard from a freshman class in a while. Now, how much of some of that is related to they, they need to get the roster up to speed quicker uh I, I think that could be 
the case. I mean, again, we've, we've talked about this a million times. Mark D'Antonio's second year, he had a lot of freshmen yep. that, that he knew he was going to need long-term, and he put them on the field. Mm-hmm. And in Luke Fickle's first year, he found a way to get Derek Forrest out there. He found a way to get Kobe Bryant out there. He he found a way to get Mike Warren out there so that those guys in year two were ready. And I think, you know, none of those guys, well, Mike, Mike had a decent role his freshman year, mm-hmm. but none of those guys were like leaned on to be important pieces, but they were all guys that were pieces. Uh, and then, you know, they became major factors uh, going forward after that. But I, I think there's something to, like, let's find a way to get as many of these guys uh, used to it as we can. So that'll be interesting as we go. There are a bunch of early enrollees. They're going to be behind just as the nature of the beast. But when we get to camp, I wonder, you know, when we're we're writing two deeps, yeah, how many true freshmen are we gonna are we gonna see? Yeah, I, I mean they've got some talent on the uh, wide receiver room coming in. Obviously, that tight end room, a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, like at Gavin Grover, we backs. yeah, yeah, DBs as well. Yeah, I mean, even a player like uh, you know Corey Cavey led his high school all time leading rusher there. Um, you know, that Monte Whedon was selected for the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, I mean, Garrison Butler had some eye-popping stats, like 21 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, three forced fumbles. That's a it's a beast on the defensive line. Uh it, it just seems like each one of them seemed to be somewhat of a hit. Even like offensive linemen, like like Aiden Pastoriza, he won back-to-back state championships. That's a winner yeah. along the offensive line that's coming in. So that's just another invaluable thing. So I, it's going to be cool to see who who all can make their move because each one of them, like I said, they all they all popped on tape. And sure, it, it's high school, and they should be popping on tape if you're you know committing to Cincinnati and a Big Twelve school. You should be the one that pops. But uh, it, it seemed like this is definitely a class that 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 they hit and one that they all had really good senior years. So. Uh, I, I'm excited to hear more what both coordinators have to say on on uh, in your interviews with them. And then, of course, Thank even you. more on Thursday as uh, you guys continue to dive into all the classes and really actually see the uh, a, a peel back of the curtain with with, with the, the head maestro. Are you going to call Zach uh, Billy Bean or is, is that yeah. kind of used for, yeah. for someone else? I, I, I'm not going to he, He's the one that that, that is throw that. Keeps posting the the uh, Moneyball pictures in each one of his tweets. So I was like, but I'm not going to do that. No. Okay, sounds good. This this should be the first class that you get to play with on NCAA football. Oh, that's the only thing in life Aaron cares about. Genuinely, I can't wait. I can't. Wait. It's July. literally like there months. are there are, there are so many things in life going on, <laughs> and if there is one mention on Twitter of NCAA football. 2024, Aaron's like, can we? You want to talk about it on nightcap? No, <laughs> I don't. We we've talked about it 73 times on the nightcap before. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> we do it every day. It's not enough. Not enough. But yeah, it seems like a lot of winners. He's gonna quit when it comes out. 
Yeah. She's gonna be like, sorry, uh, I don't have yeah. time for this shit. No, well, I'm just world famous. Yeah, I'm doing like Bill Malik. I'm doing like I'm doing like Malik. Absolutely, I'm just I'm just talking. I'm just here talking. It's fine. Let's say what? What was that? What was that, Brett? Oh no, Malik didn't do any of that. No, he didn't do any of that. He carried on a conversation while he was playing, and he I think even Malik is a double task chiming in. See, half court Henry gets it. Well, I mean, I agree, and I'm going to go out and buy a buy a system all because of this, and I'm going to be excited for it and go from there. I I haven't had a system since I I had my last one stolen. So, oh, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just Aaron's reason to live. (laughs) Right. Right. Still, I still play 14. I had the box right here. It's right here. We know. We know. Shoelace, the door drops. Yeah, a uh, lot of excitement. Wednesday should be a lot of fun. Uh, Chad, I, I'm excited to see everything that you have for that. Um, you want to timestamp this, and we'll morph on into the mailbag. Morphin' time. This timestamp, as always, brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, they provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, Products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats to get 20% off your first month of purchases. My brain wanted to say 15, and I was like, that's not right. (laughs) All right. I got a tinkle. I'll be right back. Oh, that's great because, you know, these questions are normally aimed at me and Brent. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> the, the answer for most of the football mailbag guys, I'm just going to tell you now, is Zach Grant will be on the show Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Okay. All right. Well, Brent, I think we can handle this first question anyway. Okay. Um, but before we do that. Um, also, since... also a pair Correct. Uh, Chad forgot that read before he ran off to do a little wee-wee. You've, got, you've got the read. Home Field Apparel is offering 15% off still when you enter promo code BCJ23. Uh, if you're looking for that last second, I don't know if you can still get it shipped in time for Christmas as things tend to get a little sticky around this situation, around this this time. But uh, even that little, little bit of late uh, Christmas present should be just fine, especially if it's that home field apparel, the softest hoodie I own. Again, 15% off when you use the code BCJ23. Support the people who support us. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Get your gear for this season. That said, the first question in the mailbag. Brent is earning a bowl invite in year two a must for Coach Scott Satterfield? Um, I don't know if I would call it a must, but uh, at, at least a, a, an improvement in the win category. Um, it, it, it's honestly not that hard to make bowls anymore. No, uh, nine teams of the Big 12 of the 14 teams made yeah. bowl games. Five teams were left out. I think I think you need to show, show improvement in the win column. Um, you know what? Yes, I think – 
I think I would love to see a bowl game. Love to see the the Bearcats bowling, but a lot of that just pertains to how quickly the the offense is able to pick up, and then the new pieces in the defense. So uh, it's too early to tell, but I would say yes. Let's let's roll with that. A must. I will say that the way that the question is worded, no, it's not a must because the way that these this contract is structured, he's not going anywhere after this season, regardless if he makes a bowl game or not. Now, that said, I think a goal that's not too lofty would be making a bowl game, and I think anything less than making a bowl game would be a disappointment. But Coach Scott Satterfield, to the chagrin of many people, will not be going anywhere this season, despite what that W and L columns say. So I, I, I think, I think it's a, a necessary sign of, of improvement of moving forward, Mm -hmm. of gaining some confidence from the fan base. Um, I think it's also important, like, are we, are we talking less about Oklahoma state just dominated? Uh, West Virginia dominated them, you know, like I, I need to see physically that they, they are better prepared for this year in the league than they were a season ago. Um, I'm almost there. And if that means five wins and they look more competitive, you know, all the way through week 13, I will feel better about things. If, if we see two or three coin flip games and then a bunch of Cincinnati was never actually going to stand a chance to win that game, yeah. then then it's not great, Bob. Uh, I mean, Towson Tigers, Pitt at home, Miami Redhawks, Arizona State at home, Houston at home. I, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to hear it because I think we looked at the schedule this season and thought the same thing. And then the Big 12 went completely upside down and nobody had a clue what was going on. So, no, I, I don't know what you mean. I understand that point of view, but come on. Not unless they get me twice on that. Unless nope. they pull some rabbits out of hats, some of those teams, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult. But uh, They're saying that same thing about Cincinnati, Brett. I, you know what? I Everybody I else is saying that same thing about Cincinnati. We yeah, got Cincinnati. Correct. We should win that game. Licking Agreed. their chops. Agreed. I'm not going to be putting 20 units on Cincinnati on five and a half wins this year. No shot. Don't tempt me with a good time, Aaron. Come on. Now. <laughs> I bet it's at four. I bet it. I don't think it'll be a five and a half. I, I bet it's three and a half or four and a half for sure. Yeah. Uh, which additional transfer portal positions does the coaching staff desire? the most linebacker tight end or additional defensive back or wide receiver. And I will couple that with another question that comes up in a couple questions, but what remaining positions is the staff looking to fill from the portal? Zach Grant Thursday. <laughs> like we can, uh, why, why take my, like I, I can answer the questions, but the, the guy that makes those decisions outside of the coach is going to be on the network Thursday Let's save the good questions for him. I do think they'd like all of those positions to be. But you don't have to yeah. take my word for it. But <laughs> yeah, probably running back, wide receiver, tight end. What freshman do you think will make the most immediate impact? 
I think they really want. I think they really believe Gravy, Zaborian Johnson, can be a dude that that can that can make an impact early. Uh, I've heard some positivity on Devin Zahersky. Maybe not as like an offensive like weapon, but as like an inline physical guy that you can get on the field fairly early in his career. He's no, already he's what, actually six, six, yeah, okay, six, six five two forty. Sheesh, right. Um, you know, the, the wide receivers will be interesting. Uh, I know, you know, like, like Brent talked about, Dakari Anderson is, is, has some eye popping numbers. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Daniel James can, you know, he's the highest rated guy in this class. Uh, can he, can he squeeze up to make an impact? Uh, you want to know the, the kind of sleeper name that I've heard some people talk about? Like if, if he shows up like he played his senior year, he can uh, he can he can make an impact. Who we got? You want to guess? Uh just give give me offense or defense. Defense. My guess would be either Coleman or Butler. No. Sabor. No. Barber. Marquez Parker. Okay, 6'3", yeah. 255 defensive lineman out of West Memphis, Arkansas, yep. and they love his senior tape. How does it translate? We'll find out. But I know they're looking at him yeah. licking their chops with potential. 56 tackles, 28 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, one forced fumble. Uh, sorry, four forced fumbles, one touchdown, and he kicked the field goal. Wow. You never know when you're going to need that. Hey, now. Hey, now. Is Maj an early enrollee? Yes. Do you expect the staff to save some spots for the second portal period, or will they fill up early and fill that window with any spots that may come open from spring camp attrition? That depends on what you can get. <laughs> if you can get 14 guys that you really like, uh, you get 14 guys that you really like, and you figure it out from there. Um, right now they're at what? 10? 9? 10? Something like that? Yeah. Um, it is. So, yeah. you know, I, I think you you Eight. figure out where you're at when the portal closes. And you reassess. Yes. Eight. So. Yeah. Is the coaching staff remaining intact? I would have anticipated changes to the coaches considering last year's performance. So far, yes. There has it's been it's been a very quiet cycle because there's not been a large number of head coaching changes. So you're not seeing the domino effect, you know, impact college football with a bunch of like last year felt like chaos. Well, we're also, you know, you, you haven't had the NFL changes yet. So once the NFL yeah. starts plucking some guys from the college ranks, that's when I think you'll start to see some of the, that domino effect that you're talking about. And if we're being honest, guess what? They didn't win. So when, when you, when you go 11 and two, there's a lot of people that want to talk to you. When you go nine and three, 
three and nine. Three and nine, I mean. <laughs> when you go three and nine, the phone doesn't <laughs> ring as much. Yeah. Brent, what, what do you think? Does uh does our old buddy join our other old buddy now? Our old buddy join our other old buddy. Yeah, Notre Dame just had Derek I know Parker the took offensive a head coordinator. Job. I, right, you, just, you get you get you get the Freeman Denbrock uh one oh, two connection you're, together. You're talking about that. I was thinking they just promoted Gino in house. Well, they they moved him up uh for the bowl game, yeah. but Mike Denbrock loves Notre Dame, like like genuinely. I think he's he's done at least two stints there, maybe three. Didn't LSU give him like the biggest contract of any? Yeah, I think. OC they, well, gotten. yeah. If that happens, are we watching some murder mystery show? De- like deconstruct why Luke Fickle actually <laughs> murdered Marcus Freeman? Uh, Denbrock's in LSU. Like he's not in Wisconsin. Just what's the tipping point? It is crazy <laughs> to see. All the just the I mean that was great. Those are Mar- like look, those are Marcus's guys too. Yeah. What's the tipping point? <laughs> great coaching staff. Oh boy. I as of now I've heard of no movement uh on the coaching staff. What other college football teams use the outside zone scheme Satterfield has effectively? I Brent, do you, do you know anybody else who uses outside? Knowing zone? everybody's yeah. offensive scheme is not. I I have enough. Not much with Cincinnati every day. Like I don't think you guys yeah. realize how much goes into that. If NCAA football was out already, I could tell you because I would have ah. cycled through all the playbooks. However, I don't have it yet. Now, come oh, July, we might we we might be able to answer that question a little better. Come July, how? Uh, but. That'd be a good Dave question, but a quick Google what shows the what the Shanahan Kubiak outside zone heavy offense. I'm seeing mentions of NC State, App State, uh, State obviously, Baylor, Kansas, Buffalo, but they're saying wide zone for them. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, BYU, Miami. Which one? I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, which, which that's why I didn't Google it is because I don't trust like that we're Google. talking about the same thing. No, right. I don't trust that like the, the answers are like like some are talking that wide zone, that triple option looking thing. This is not that. Well, now um, I'm seeing Josh Henson at USC. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Monmouth. There you go. Monmouth. Monmouth. Uh, that was the answer everyone was looking for. Well done, Brent. We were waiting on that, Brent. Thank you. Thank Roughly, you. how much of an NIL bank account does UC have to work with? Don't know. Not a question I ask. Billion dollars. Nobody's going to... Here's the thing. It's not a question I ask because nobody's going to answer it. And if they did answer it, I wouldn't be able to speak of it publicly. So... I, it helps no one for you to know. Like it, that. That's showing your hand. Really, if, if if you're recruiting against somebody else and they know what your budget is, it's not great. Right. I don't know. Will all the will all the portal commits enroll in January? If not, which ones? That's always the plan. 
and especially because you're not dealing like sometimes what happens is you're dealing with the grad transfer that has to graduate before they can transfer. Uh, you're not, there's no grad transferring here. You're dealing with guys that have uh, multiple years of eligibility. So I would assume everybody so far that we know will be here in January. See somebody else in the chat also pumped for NCAA football. I'm not the only one who's a sicko on this stuff. Anyway, I am pumped for it. You dream about it when you dream. Not all the time. Four nights uh, a week. I don't remember all my oh. dreams. Just that one. <laughs> Will all of the portal uh, already did that Just one? Did is that. there a chance for a late surprise addition or two to the 2024 class, or is it pretty well set right now for Wednesday? It's pretty well set. I think there could always be somebody that maybe isn't academically where they need to be. Um, and the way the NCAA sets that stuff up is you're somewhat penalized, even though I don't even know anymore. Uh, because the the 25 rule is is out but you know there, there could always be a, a late academic casualty but uh from everything i have heard it doesn't sound like any of the commits were on visits this past weekend uh nobody is sniffing around so i would expect pretty much standard business as usual on uh wednesday that wraps up the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag. Does anyone think they need to play small? If not, what defense would you have for keeping the big lineup? I guess what defense? Man-to-man. Man-to-man. I don't want to see zone. I don't think they have the roster to play zone. I, don't I watched know. them play I, I it for six possessions. And I wanted to stab my neck with a hot knife. It was rough, man. Because obviously, if you don't hammer and practice zone, you're going to lose people in the zone. And they lost right. people every single possession with the zone. So, I, I mean, it's just communication has got to be at a, at a high, high level during zone two. And with the, with as many substitutions and Wes trying to figure out the right lineup to have on Saturday, it, it was probably – Maybe a situation where the lineup on the court had hadn't run much zone, or maybe they had, but I don't know. It just it didn't work out very well. Figure right. out your best lineup to play defense and play them a lot. Probably more than the other five, yeah. Have you read Berg's thoughts today? It has stirred quite a debate. Number one, can Vic play the five? Number two, can you play yes. two of our bigs together? I think everyone agrees you need to get the rotation down to seven to eight. Who are these I don't players who run the offense? I agree. I also don't think that. Seven I or eight? Like You're cutting three high major players out of your rotation. I think fresh For legs are... <laughs> Ten fresh legs are better than seven to eight yeah. gas. Now, gas are they? I, it's just I do I, think. Well, no, I, I, there is. You don't know. You've never played a forty-minute college basketball game. Oh, I played a forty-minute intramural game one time. I was gassed. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Anyhow, um, <laughs> I I think you do need to to focus on six or seven that are going to get the majority of the minutes, and then there is a secondary group, seven, eight, nine that are going to get the 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 leftovers that they're still going to play nine guys people who who you're taking people are just throwing around Dan Skillings out of the rotation i mean like certain names make sense because they've got like a bulk of of people at that certain position but sure I, but yeah i don't think like Dan Skillings will be seeing his minutes evaporated CJ Frederick to the curb. No, CJ Frederick needs what? to shoot more. That that that's that's what I, I. What what are we what are we doing, people? Then there's a sentiment of people that there's a legit group of people that fully believe Victor Locken stinks. We watch a different <laughs> sport when the when the thing with the orange ball is happening on the telly. We are watching different things. If you think Vic stinks. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why you just flipped into a British accent for a moment, but I like it. I kind of dug. I dug it. Jolly good day. That's I'm a way to to really roll into that one. Cheerio. On the telly, you say George uh, Washington the third. Oh, call <laughs> back. If if only uh, on a scale of one to ten, one being not at all, ten being wildly. Uh, how much does each of you think folks are overreacting about the team's struggles in the last week? I get it. I get it. They played Xavier and Dayton, and at no point in either game were they in control. At no point in right. either game, over 80 minutes, did you feel like Cincinnati's playing better right. than the team across from them? I think it'd be a little it'd be a little different if that like Georgia Tech being that third one that people look at for reference is like that kind of sucks. Yeah, sure, they beat Duke and, and they, they beat a bad Mississippi sure. State team. But I mean Georgia Tech's not, Can not you say bad if they were tournament. ranked. They aren't what? Can you say bad if Mississippi State was ranked when they beat them? I mean North Carolina was the number one team in the country last year and they were ranked. I, I mean, it's just – I hate early season AP. This early, yes, you can. Because a yes. team can go from number 10 in the country to not receiving votes in, like, two weeks. Not with Cincinnati's schedule. But, you know. I mean, Mississippi State lost to Southern the game after Georgia Tech. Not Southern Miss. Southern. 245th. General, oh. general Southern. Like. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like kind of a formidable opponent. Southern. Yeah, a lot of like University of Phoenix. <laughs> Online. Who well, but that's play? only a university of one town, Aaron. Or all of no. Phoenix. University of Phoenix is, is all of the don't well actually me. I I I the University of Phoenix can only get students from Phoenix. Or any other city in America named Phoenix. That's it. Just like Southern 
can get all the people that are Southern. Yeah. I heard they just they like play. playing Robert Morris. You only actually have to play one guy. Just Robert oh, Morris. There he unless, is. Unless, unless one guy is Robert, there's another Morris. And then there's the other guy, Morris. Yeah, you might have to play two guys in that situation. Right. Howard, just one guy. Seth Stetson. Downs, that was it. Stetson, only Stetson Bennett's suiting up. Lace, lacing up the shoes. Vic shoots seven trays versus Xavier and makes one. He shoots five more versus Dayton and goes over. That's one for 12 or 8.33% against top tier opponents. When he shoots a three, a he is 23 feet from the basket. Okay. Versus crashing the boards for a rebound when, say, CJ shoots. Furthermore, his home road splits are brutal. Should Vic be shooting threes? P.S. If you add in the Howard game, only other non-fit third game. Vic is one for 14 from three for a robust 7.1% in road and neutral site games. PSS, Vic is nine for 19 at home from three. That is a stellar 47.3%. If you're going to have him shoot threes, you can't have him shoot threes at home and not shoot. You don't have home and road offense. Was that a riddle? Yeah. It was actually, it was was your burner account. You it's actually like, asked that question. It's like, the it's like and then how long will it take them to meet in the middle in Arkansas? I thought like, it was how long <laughs> will it take to, to ask the question? Yeah, I, I mean, it is crazy. Also, CJ Frederick ha- is like one of something from I, I, I wrote it down. CJ Frederick, one and nine in the three games away from fifth third, 19 of 33 at home. That's like 57%, which is wow. just bonkers. Um, but yeah, as as far as Vic and getting the offensive rebounds, since uh, has out rebounded every opponent they've put, faced this year, I don't think rebounding is too much of an issue. Um, yes, you want to have them down there for the rebounds and the putbacks. I think it's more. But they're like, they're twenty three in offensive rebound percentage and two in the nation in defensive rebounding percentage. Right, I, like rebounding isn't really an issue. I I I do think you need Vic down low more for post touches, but. As far as rebounding, I I don't I don't know. Obviously, it's going to be different when the Big Twelve play starts. But sure. as of right now, I'd say rebounding is is far from an issue for the team. Shooting is the bigger issue. Period. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the basketball portion of the mailbag. The last portion of the mailbag here. We'll start with Cincy fan. Any word on the Big Twelve pro day? Was such a down year for UC football. I'm sure it's important, especially this year, for the seniors to have a chance to show their measurables. In front of the NFL scouts. No, I don't have any word on that yet. The Big 12 has not released any of that information. As soon as we have it, you will hear about it. And the last question in the mailbag from Skins. Merry Christmas. I'm assuming you are not doing a pod next Monday, as it will be Christmas Day. Self-checkout or cashier at the grocery store? Cashier. Uh, I like human funny, interaction. Funny story about that. Our crew <coughs> here in Athens just got some new like checkout, self-checkout that has like the the conveyor belt. Oh. And I put the bag of cat food on there today and it kept putting it. The conveyor was going back towards me. I don't know what was happening. So I launched it down and then it still came back. I didn't know. The light started blinking. The lady wouldn't come over and help us. So we just left and went to an actual this man is illegally trying to buy cat food. I was launching the cat food down. It was the stupidest thing in my life. Never um, again. Uh, 
I do like human interaction as well, Chad, but self-checkout, man, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm good. Well, it depends. Like, if I got like two or three things, if I'm just going to get something, of course, self-checkout. Yeah. If I got a card, look, here's the other thing. Do I get a discount for bagging my own shit? Nah. No. Then I'm taking advantage of the service that I'm paying for. I will stand there. I will do the work to put it on the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Y'all got it from there. Generally Not speaking, my job. I, generally speaking, I got a baby with me. So, yeah, no. I'm I'm letting somebody else do that. <laughs> if I'm paying for it, I'm going to use it. You don't get free labor from me. All right. Uh, Ten things I hate about you or Princess Diaries. I don't know that I've ever seen Princess Diaries. I have seen 10 Things I Hate About You. It's okay. Didn't hate it. I'll I'll say 10 Things I Hate About You. Brent? Brent has definitely seen both of these movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shouts to Heath Ledger. Um, The, uh, you know, obviously when he's singing up on the stands at at the football field, you know, can't take my eyes off of you. 10 Things I Hate About You, one of the best scenes out there um, in, in any rom-com, chick flick. Uh, Princess Diaries, man. That's a that's a good one. Anne Hathaway, obviously, one of her uh, her early rises. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of confusion in Princess Diaries where, you know, she's, she's a, a princess but doesn't know it and it kind of has a weird, like, upbringing and then figures it out, this, that, and the other. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, I've never seen Princess Diaries. Uh, you get to make <clears throat> a first impression with someone of the opposite sex, and you can either have a first phone call and you sound like Gilbert Gottfried, <laughs> RIP, or meet in person and you look like Danny DeVito and cannot talk for the first minute. Which do you choose? Oh, this is brutal. These are dreadful. I mean, if you look like Danny DeVito, can you just pretend you're Danny DeVito? <laughs> Does that, that actually work in your favor? Answer ever? Does that yeah, actually Danny work DeVito, in your favor? Danny DeVito is very rich, Aaron. So it does work in your favor. And and, and everyone loves Always Sunny too. So it's like, oh, I don't know how many chicks watch Always Sunny. Danny DeVito, yeah. my girlfriend loves it. Yeah. Because did she love it before she met you, or did she start to love it because she was with somebody that? Well, you know. Brent's clearly biased in this question. Right. A thousand percent. I think I could pull Like, do I really sound that much far off from Gilbert Godfrey most of the time? When you get, when you get loud, it's uh, as obnoxious. Right. Yeah. So I think I can pull off the Gilbert Godfrey thing. Yeah, you can sure. kind of change your tone here and there, too. Sure. So, yeah. you know, try to slow it down. The Danny me. DeVito thing, if you take out, like, impersonating Danny DeVito yeah. uh, and you're not rich, like you lose the one benefit of being Danny DeVito. Well, right. it says it says you meet in person and you look like Danny DeVito and cannot talk for the first minute. Do you stay looking like Danny DeVito after that first minute of mute? Or, I would assume you, so, yes. Do you turn point. back into yourself? And are you yeah. always like Danny DeVito for the rest of time or are you normal the second date? In which case, yeah, was it really provide a first enough date? information. That's was it really point. a first date? Aaron, you have not taken this this deep of an approach to a question before. I like it. I, you know, is it like you, if like you kiss the frog, it turns into a prince? Is that 
a scenario like after a minute here? everything's back to normal yeah that would you know i could stall the, for a minute this is all a, a first impression question so even with the phone call with gilbert Gottfried, and you you call back after the first phone call and you're like look some my friend had my phone Th this is actually my voice right unless you're me and you still sound like gilbert Gottfried. well and and that's that's a whole different <laughs> you know that 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 show i think you should leave with with uh tim robinson i you know like i was that one you're just making like sounds for the first minute and you know you're kind of like okay this guy's kind of funny no clue it's what you're talking danny about. devito he's pretty funny i i think you should leave you've never seen it no oh wow literally my tv's not even on i, I couldn't tell you i think my tv was last on saturday Netflix. Just I think you should leave. Oh, is that the? Is that the? Uh, you sure about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You sure about that? I got you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I it's hilarious. It. I forgot the name of that show. You gotta watch it. Oh, it's so. I have seen. It. So, I only watched the first season. I haven't seen the second one. Uh, well, get us out of here, Brent. And, and before we go, what are we doing for for Christmas next week? Merry Christmas. Well, no show next Monday. I can't do Sunday. I've got family stuff all night. So Sunday's out. Monday's Tuesday out. Night Christmas. It is. Tuesday there's is a game Tuesday. George in the Jungle. There's a game Tuesday. So I guess we're taking a week off. First which is not something ever. we ever do. Can't do Sunday either. I cannot do Monday either. Right? Tuesday's out. No, no game. Tuesday. No game on Tuesday. There is. There isn't a game Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, there's no we game on Tuesday. We potentially do Tuesday. We just have to talk to George. Maybe we maybe we have George. George. Bring George on the BBP, a little crossover. Not sure how that looks for sponsors, but I'm sure we can get all the reads in. Just have to deal with a couple. We we'll just reads. add read. Yeah, it's just one read. We'd have to add. We'd have to add the the George read, which Reming Remington sure, Tavern. Yeah. I'm sure Remington Tavern would appreciate the BBP bump. On Tuesday, yeah, we'll, maybe, we'll, we'll maybe we'll aim for a crossover episode Tuesday, uh, and see see where it goes. Go. Ryan's usually, I feel like around holidays, Ryan's usually gone for about a week. Yeah, yeah. he's working late tonight. Like it might just be the four of us. It might just be a. Maybe we just tell Ryan, "Hey, take next week off." And uh, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry uh, Yeah, so. We'll be here next week. We don't take weeks off. No, no, no weeks off on the BBP. Yeah, we'll figure something out. But uh, hey, man, signing day this week. Obviously, a lot going on. Uh, Locked and loaded. Games. We're yeah. gonna have a ton going on at Bearcat Journal. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Be there. Um, it, a really good class, guys. I it truly is. Um, a lot of guys that that I think you can really give a tip of the cap to the, the talent evaluation of of the recruiting staff as well because a lot of guys had really good senior tape so um stay locked into bcj as we we bring you all that uh info throughout signing day uh this week two two basketball games as mentioned uh tomorrow night the the old merrimack whatever's come into town and then of course on friday night it is stetson coming to town as well i the Merrimack whatevers. <laughs> the Merrimack Warriors, coached by one Joey Gallo. He, he's struggling to hit home runs, but he's coaching the Merrimack Warriors to a 5-6 and six record so far this year. Uh, 
yeah, so we'll see how they do. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Stetson on Friday. Uh, Donnie Jones, the Hatters. But, uh, yeah, so quick shout-out, of course, to our guys over at Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Shout-out to Quick Paper Supply and shout-out to Homefield Apparel. But for my broadcast partners, my pals, the BCJ boys, that's right, Chad Smith, Chad Smith, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, and of course, shouts to Ryan Royer. Sad they missed out on this one. But a Merry Christmas to everyone. Yet again, it's another and a happy New Year, potentially, or a happy holidays. But uh, another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!